Excelsior, Season 4, Episode 8. Excelsior, mid-1988 to December 31, 1989. Episode 8. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts, but the parts still need to be superb. The real world of special event planning at the national level can be a rough-and-tumble business, especially for novices. Conceiving of programming is one thing. Bringing it to life is quite another. Developing a program that a national audience will want to attend is no mean feat. In the marketplace, high-sounding principles about what should be done and what would be all right, unless those programming principles can actually work, they're not worth a hill of beans. Yes, our event was to be arts and humanities-based. Our mission was to inform, dare I use the E-word, educate the public without lecturing or sounding pedantic. At the same time, however, we had to be true to the spirit of Zora Neale Hurston, not to debase and or exploit her name through crass commercialism. How were we to proceed to identify that proper balance? What would be our formula? Our first focus was to identify our audience. As it turned out, our conclusion was we had multiple audiences, scholars and students and community members associated with colleges and universities, K-12 teachers and their students, patrons of the arts, literary, music, visual, etc., historic and cultural preservationists, and the general public, both readers and non-readers. Our next conclusion was that this event had to encompass more than one day. But for how long? We needed to configure time in a way to hold our audience's attention. We settled on a Thursday to Sunday time frame in late January for several reasons. First, by setting the festival on the last week in January, we were presenting it in Zora's birthday month. Her birthday is January 7th and we would be allowing for some settling in time for the college and university communities who are returning from the end of fall semester break, that is mid-December to early January, and gearing up for the spring semester. Continuing with this logic of a last weekend concept, we then scheduled the academic conference on an all-day Friday and Saturday morning time frame to accommodate the teaching faculty. So far, we seem to be on solid ground when it came to the college-university audience. Box one, checked. What about the K-12 teachers and their students? If we thought about programming that involved multiple activities occurring at the same time, known in the academic conference business as concurrent sessions, we could utilize Friday not only for an academic conference, but we could label the day quote-unquote education day and plan for sessions valuable to the secondary school people, both teachers and students. Box two checked. What were we to do for the patrons of the arts, folks? Quality literature, music, the visual arts offerings were to assure their interest. If we did that, box three would also be checked. Historic and cultural preservationists, for them, Eatonville represents both the land still intact, 
historic preservation, as well as authentic customs, culture of the community's people as well. That would be pivotal to cultural preservationists. Box four was checked as well because we were presenting in Eatonville. Then there was the general audience, the reading and non-reading public. How were we to engage them? Well, this question we would continue to grapple with on an ongoing basis. Box five, y'all better keep your eye on it. As we continued to mull over what or how we needed to accomplish and in what order to be successful, we did all agree on this working principle. Celebrity sells. This aphorism applies across all areas. For example, the scholarly community would readily engage if these members knew that Dr. Robert Hemingway, Zora's literary biographer, would be involved with the academic conference. And they would be similarly excited if they knew that Dr. Ruth T. Sheffy, legendary teacher of English at Morgan State University and founder of the Zora Neale Hurston Society, the first of its kind on a university or a college campus in the United States, was also attending. The world of storytelling would really love it if Augusta Baker, a retired New York City librarian and master storyteller, would come because Zora is beloved as a storyteller. And if we could get Miss Ruby D, veteran actress of the stage and screen, what a wonderful addition that would be because Zora actually produced theatrical pieces. We had also heard that Miss Louise Patterson was still alive. She was the woman who had been the third presence in the Zora Neale Hurston, Langston Hughes, mule bone controversy. To have her participation would mean a firsthand connection with two literary giants. Indeed, celebrity was the essential key. Now, the celebrity we would all die to have, the Pulitzer Prize-winning author, the activist writer who had searched for Zora's unmarked grave, the woman whose novel had been made into a blockbuster movie, yes, indeedy, our top wish list celebrity was Alice Walker. So that was our thinking. Here are the results of how we structured the festival. On Thursday evening, January 25, in order to engage that elusive general audience, we decided to present an exhibition called Jump at the Sun. That would allow for people to look and see, because you know, dear listener, a picture is worth a thousand words, to look and find out information about Zora Neale Hurston and her Eatonville hometown. On Friday, Full day, 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. would be academic conference. Also, education day, which would begin at 9, would be a focus for resources for teachers. And on Friday evening, we'd look to have a theater-based production. On Saturday morning, between 9 and 12, we would end the academic conference. But Saturday would begin the Zora Neale Hurston Folk Arts Festival, again, an entry to gain the interest of general public. On Saturday evening, we'd look at a closing banquet. On Sunday, we would honor the tradition, the faith traditions of Eatonville by having an ecumenical worship service. And again in the afternoon, 
we would return to the outdoor festival, the folk arts festival. That was the dream. Could we make the dream a reality? End of episode eight. You've been listening to an Eatonville saga. Executive producer, the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc. Podcast concept and storyteller, Enwine Theory. Eatonville native and executive director of the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc., P.E.C. Produced and directed by Ken Moore. 2020 copyright by the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. If you would like to support our podcast by giving, you can give to PEC at www.give2pec.org. That's www.give2pec.org.